This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong and Dave Schrader talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, and with me, as always, is Dave. Dave, how are you? I'm, I'm back in the cat room and dog room. I've got dog biscuits. I've got uh, I got cat food. Uh, you all can't see it, but I just want you to know I'm holding up a big bag of cat food and dog treats. And uh, that's are you snacking happened. on? Uh, well, you know what? We're I've been stuck in the house for six days now because of the uh, winter storm that has come through the uh, southern Midwest, Texas, and mm-hmm. into Tennessee here. And uh, this is what happens, you know. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, remember, he, the vegetarian that he is, he had to uh, eat buffalo or something like that, right? Uh, that's what it takes to get an Oscar. I've talked about this before. I've got to do what I can to win. What, what awards do we have in the podcast world? Because I, I, I want it, whatever it I, is. I don't know. I think we need to make up one. Uh, maybe yeah. a Dundee? A dun- okay. What is it? I'll get you a Dundee. How about that? All right, that's fine. That's good. Right. But I want you to know if I'm if I'm stuck in here for another week longer, then yeah, that's this is what uh, my consumption is going to be. So okay. Well, I was worried that you'd gotten banished uh, back in there at, after the results of our uh, uh, our very important scientific poll on Twitter. Yeah, apparent. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to go right into our our, our guest because Russ Ramsey is <laughs> with us today, and yes. Russ has very good hair, by the way. He Russ does. He's hair. got the best he hair did. on the show today. He's got a great <laughs> weave. Um, I, I I intentionally go go into a dark room, a dark cat room. So, uh, but yeah, Russ, they were voting basically whether or not I should shave my head. No, no, not shave it. Not shave it. Oh, I'm sorry. Take it down. Take it down. Take it yeah. down. Take it down. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, some have suggested the beard come over uh, and all the other beautiful things that go there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, it's breathtaking. Russ, a lot has changed since you were last on the podcast. And I just want you to know, I do have less hair and these <laughs> become this becomes the topic of conversation. So it's not really a book podcast anymore. It was once a glorious podcast. And now it's about hair. Yeah, it's absolutely. My, it's it's <laughs> hair, about my, cats, and occasionally books. Yeah, well, my in, my insecurities, all, all of the above. So, yeah. Have you, um, you know, because this is, I mean, this pandemic has been the season for people to have kind of a free pass to do whatever they want with their hair, uh, and uh, no questions asked, uh, which is kind of what I've got going on here. But uh, if you, I don't, do you guys have show notes for this for this this podcast? Do you, yes. do you have any links to things? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're going to want to do a, a link to something called the monkey tail, uh, which is a facial hair pattern. Um, mm. And I'm not, I'm not going to say much more, but if you Google monkey tail facial hair, uh, it's pretty fantastic. And it's something that COVID has has uh, <laughs> given us. Yeah. I never knew what this was. Okay, I never knew what this was called. <laughs> it's the monkey tail. <laughs> Isn't it the best? Oh, wow. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, apparently there are oh too, my. Many, too many images that popped up on screen here. So. Yeah, maybe you can curate that. Yeah, Dave, if you went, if you went shorter, you'd, you'd kind of have the Steve Jobs thing going on, which would be oh. kind of a power move. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Sure. You know, I mean, you've kind of got two options here, Dave. What's he do the whole, it's, it's like the arm in front, right? That's mm -hmm. the Steve Jobs mm -hmm. image. Okay. Yeah. So I got to wear black turtlenecks, jeans, and uh, New Zip. Balance, New Balance sneakers, right? Is that what he wore? wore? I can't remember. But yes, you know, old, old 80s sneakers, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You can pull that off. I mean, you're wearing an Adidas uh, track jacket right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm living in the past, man. That's how it is. So come on. <sighs> Well, I'll tell you, this weather had me living in the past because I haven't experienced a winter like this in, in five years. <laughs> so, yeah, you darn Canadian. How dare you do what you've done to the United States? I know so. it's all my fault. Um, and I'm sorry for that. So sorry. Eh? But Ooh. I also had to shovel my a driveway for the first time in 10 years today. And that was weird. So um, it's explaining the mess of my hair right now. But because uh, hats, but. I, I, I get it. But uh, yeah, it'll 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 be OK, though. Yeah. So. Yeah. We can get out of our house again. And so that's a plus. Yeah. So, Russ, have you uh, have you left your house like in the past few days? Yeah, I've ventured out. Uh, yeah, a couple of times, just twice uh, okay. so far. So I was I was nervous the first time because, you know, it's the it's the maiden voyage, you know, where you, you're not sure if you're going <laughs> to even get out of the driveway. But uh yeah, you know, like right now, you know, this will be ir immaterial to people listening, but but in real time, uh, it's perfect snowman weather or perfect snowman snow out there. Like it's packing. If you roll, it, it would take no effort to build the mm -hmm. largest snowman you've ever attempted. Mm -hmm. um, so if we could control time, that would be helpful for your <laughs> listeners. Absolutely. <laughs> I love I, I love it. Russ, we were, I know, well, for our listeners, we were talking before we started recording about uh, the last time Russ was on, we were at the Gospel Coalition. Um, it was a very different world then. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a quieter podcast than then because we were in literally a hallway recording, I believe. Yes, with hundreds of people walking past. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we weren't the only podcast in that hallway. I mean, that's no. that's... TGC crowd for you. I mean, there were there there, there were as many podcasts as there are attendees. It seems like, possibly more. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Well, yeah, Barnab Barnabas is on like eight of them, right? Absolutely, he is. <laughs> Not on this one anymore, though. So, you know. But but Russ, missing out. If you're on just a few more times, you can catch up to him. So he's got a. Uh, as far as a guest, he's definitely in the five timers plus club. Um, we're working on what our jacket looks like. Uh, um, so just just let you know, you're you're just one step closer to it. All right, I'm making a note so I can aspire. Nice. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, hey man, I just figured we dig right in. Uh, yeah. So, how are uh, man? We speaking of TGC. Yes, we were with thousands of people then. And literally, we think two years later, here we are. Uh, we don't even know what TGC will look like. But more importantly, you as a pastor in a pandemic like we've been, like, how are you doing and how have you been able to pastor well and write well in a time like this? Man, yeah, I, you know, it's completely uncharted territory, right? It's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, pastoral ministry and the church itself is not supposed to be separated you know we're supposed yeah. to be um together and 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 all that so you know it's funny like there's been a I, I found there to be kind of a few different parallel 
uh, tracks to run on. There's the one of just how do you how do you teach in a way uh, and preach in a way that is that is relevant to you know living in a in a pandemic. So what does what does scripture have to say about um, the fragility of life and where to place our hope and and how to deal with with uh, you know um, the isolation anytime people are in isolation temptation uh and and struggle uh is is much more prevalent and so i think eyes and people just struggling with sin and and um because they you know they're not able to well because we're, we're all just in isolation and separated mm-hmm. so um so that's one of the tracks but then you can't talk about it all the time um, because that's exhausting and who, who wants to do that, you know? And, and, uh, so there's that part of kind of navigating that. Then there's the part of, um, what do you do with church? You know, do, you know, so we've been doing a in, in-person and live stream hybrid, uh, which has been really good as we've seen people who are, you know, uh, ready to jump in and and be back in in the mix for for a host of reasons and and uh but then people who just can't uh they they can't return to worship just yet and so how do we care for them well in this in this process and um so that's been something to to navigate and then the third i guess track that's kind of related to that is how do you pastor people uh, in uh really encouraging them to make these kinds of decisions based on where what they need uh so so you know not wanting to put any sense of of expectation or guilt on people returning to in-person worship also not wanting to put any kind of uh you know to you want to indicate that, that we still are a church and so we still want to get together you know so there's some lines to walk there um and uh, it's it's been I think one of the one of the things that that I've been able to do that I, I've has seemed to be encouraging people is just when I reach out to folks um, who I haven't seen in a while to just be as explicitly clear as I can that hey we'll see you when you see when we see you and until then just know that I don't have any like in my mind I don't have two categories of people in the church you know my favorites who are there and then the rest of you who don't come you know it, it's it, it's more of a look people have their reasons um, and their legitimate reasons for um, for the decisions they make about how much they go out and how much they stay in mm-hmm. and and all that and so um, that's been interesting to navigate especially during a politically charged year uh, where you know there's been at least a measure of politization of the pandemic uh, and the information around it. You know, it's almost like depending on which news source you watch, you're getting just a different data set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so, you know, and we have a range of, of you know, every congregation does, I, I would assume, but we, you know, we have people from all over the map uh, on, on all issues that we're talking about here. And so um, trying to navigate that well is, is, not always straightforward. Yeah. Russ, have you, uh, anyone in your congregation been near death because of COVID or have actually passed or anything else? I'm just curious. Yeah, we've, we've had, um, thankfully in our own congregation, we've not, we've not lost anybody to COVID. Um, however, uh, 
everybody in our congregation knows somebody who's who's you know has lost somebody to COVID, and and uh, but then there's there's other losses as well. Like there's a lot of job loss. There's a lot of um, th- there's a real grief that comes with um, kind of grieving un- unfulfilled plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know whether it's something you know kind of on the on the more uh, lighthearted end of a, a trip that somebody was planning on going on that, that couldn't um, to uh, you know people who had a, a job or an internship lined up that, that just kind of fell apart uh, in the process or um, I had a guy in our church who sent me an email about his job search and um, I'm going to try if I can find it seamlessly I'm going to try to find that that email because he just he said some things about the nature of his search that was just kind of good for me as a pastor to hear um, because it really kind of outlined what I think a lot of people are walking through on a day in day day out basis that we may not really um, we may not see but it's but it's the reality so here's here's what he said um, he he sent this to me uh, in mid December. He said, I was laid off on April 23rd due to business downturn related to COVID. Uh, and uh, let's see, he goes on to say, um, he's, he's a teacher and so who kind of helps people find jobs. And so he's, he said, you know, it's really helped me kind of relate to the students uh, that I'm trying to teach in this. But he said, he said, here's my official job search counts. All right, here it goes. 235 days between jobs, 152 job applications. I mean, just think about that for a second, filling out 152 job applications that yielded 29 HR phone screens uh, and then 17 hiring manager interviews and then 12 final round interviews before he got one job offer. And I just think about that. I'm like, whoa. I mean, he, he made it to 12 final rounds after 152 applications and 29 screens and 17 hiring managers. And, um, you know, so that kind of stuff is, as a, as a pastor, you don't see a lot of that yeah. um, happening and playing out in real time, but that's the experience for a whole lot of people. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's 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 been you know i think we're all on a on a learning curve and and we man we got to be gracious with each other in the church yeah russ you have one of those deep souls and i think that's why i've always appreciated you and i think i i think when we last interviewed i had not i'm only holding it up to seeing see that i hadn't read struck yet at that point but i think i did right after we uh we interviewed you and I realized I'm like, okay, Russ has lived a deeper life than many of us <laughs> uh, just because of a near-death experience. But how, how has that helped you, A, to minister, especially in a year like this, um, with all of those things that you described happening? Um, and then uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how that's helped you also as a writer, um, you know, uh, for the, the years later. Yeah, you know, it seems like the older the older I get, the more you know. As I'm getting to know somebody, one of the questions that I, I want to fish around for is um, is how have you suffered? Because uh, it tells you a lot about about um, you know. Uh, well, it's just a very revealing uh, thing to learn about 
uh, with people. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, this these last six months have been on a personal level tough. They've been they've been I've been encouraged I've, I've been encouraged in my work. I, I'm like I love what I get to do and 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 all of that. But uh, you know, a year and a half ago, we we adopted a little boy from China. Um, with a critical heart condition and knowing that part of, you know, one of the, one of the early things we would be doing with him was, was taking him in for open heart surgery. And uh, so it was going to happen this summer, COVID hit, all the plans went up in the air. Um, but then we got the surgery scheduled. And so he had the surgery in September. Uh, so he's five years old at the time. And it's his third open heart surgery. And, and, uh, you know, and it was the situation where only one of us could be with him at the hospital at a time. And, and, um, and so, you know, so going into September that happened. And then in October I uh, contracted COVID personally. And so I, I went through that. And then in November, my father died, uh, not from COVID, but it was, a, it was unexpected. And, um, and then in, in December, we had some just, you know, some, some, some other things happen uh, in our lives that, that, that were pretty monumental um, for, for us. And, uh, and so, you know, it just felt like this fall, there, there was uh, just a, a, you know, kind of every month had its own um, layer of, of difficulty and, and suffering and hardship. And, and uh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it. It, I think it. It's you know that old that old saying people quote all the time. You know, be be kind because everybody's fighting a hard battle. Uh, it's just it's so true, and it and it's so important to understand that that nobody has a simple story. You know, everybody's got things going on in their lives that to them are um, just profound. And we we were talking about. The passage in uh, Mark's gospel uh, this past Sunday and with a small group I'm a part of where uh, Jesus goes to the regions of Tyre and Sidon and he meets that um, the, he has the conversation with the woman where she says yeah even the even the dogs eat the crumbs under the table um, you know she comes to Jesus because she has a daughter who has a demon uh, and <clears throat> what struck me about that passage is how she probably didn't know much about Jesus other than was kind of the reputation that preceded him specifically that he, he was a healer. Uh, but what she did know was that she gave birth to this little girl. And, you know, at some point this little girl was laid across her chest and, and they bonded and she heard this little girl's first words and had the experience of seeing a personality emerge and started to have hopes and dreams for this kid. And now this kid is being tormented and, and, and is descending into darkness. And, and so she goes to Jesus, not, not necessarily knowing much about him other than the stories. Um, but all she's really thinking about is, I've got this daughter, you know. And I try to think about that when I think about our people. I think everybody's got something like that, where there's, there's a, a story or a situation that they're so intimately connected with that it's just impossible for us to know about that. And yet it's, it's kind of guiding a lot of their thinking uh, and a lot of their prayers, if they, if they're praying, the praying kind. And, and um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to take people for granted, I guess, maybe is the point of that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Does, does all of this make you want to read more 
about lament, about learn about to learn. I mean, if you're overwhelmed as a pastor and also just on a personal level, does that make you want to read more in that area right now? Or does that make you want to go and read a Jerry Seinfeld book? <laughs> well, so, you know what I mean? Like, go yeah, 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 yeah. It, it kind of a third category. It makes me want to, it makes me want to go read fiction. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to read stories uh, mm -hmm. or, or memoirs or, you know, um, I, part of the way I'm wired is I'm, I'm not, I don't really like the didactic books all that much, you know, I, I, I'm to tell me a story, you know, I'll, I'll get the, I'll get the didactic stuff from, from the story, um, you know, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, even as, as I was kind of thinking and looking at what I'm reading these days, um, it, it's, you know, it, it's kind of all over the board and kind of the Christian living category is, just kind of absent you know, yeah. Um, yeah. from it. No offense to that. I don't mean to put that down, but, but uh, you know, yeah, there's just some, there's some beautiful stuff. So I, I go to stories because stories, I think carry a lot of freight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I no, I, I love, were you going to say something, Aaron? Sorry. Well, I was just going to, I was just going to affirm that, that. And I mean, I think that's something that, yeah. you know, it's really tempting for us to, really to dunk on those kind of things and say, well, it's just a story. And it's like, but you remember those a lot more than you remember what you read in, mm -hmm. you know, in even, even in the best of our, you know, kind of standard nonfiction books. Um, mm -hmm. And the best of our nonfiction books still tell stories and not yeah. in a way that's um, mm. trite and cheesy where the story is an opening illustration before it, before it jumps into you know, in, you know, in our particular subculture into a, into a discussion of a biblical passage. It's, no, this is here. It's uh, the best way to do it is to interweave. And I've seen, I've seen you do this, Russ, really well, is interweave experience with biblical teaching. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was Jesus preferred method of teaching, you know, uh, with parables and, the vast majority of scripture is narrative. I remember mm -hmm. uh, being with um, uh, being at a conference with Sally Lloyd Jones, and and uh, she was talking about the importance of story and the power of story. And she she said she she was at a church there, and she was going to read stories, and you know some communication wires had gotten crossed, and they wanted her to actually teach a Sunday school class um, and not just read the story. And so. They asked her to, you know, kind of read from the Jesus Storybook Bible and then sort of teach the kids about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when she's reading the story, the kids are just leaning forward. They're they're engaged. And then, you know, okay, kids. So, you know, what would God want us to learn about this? Um, she said she could just see him uh, just kind of slump back, you know, like, ah, uh, you know, I, and it's because the story was doing was doing the work. And I think God made us that way. I mean, he, you know, in, in even in Deuteronomy, when when he tells the people of Israel how to train their children, he 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 doesn't say have them read these five books. He says tell them tell them the stories all the time. Uh, you know, so, you know, so that so that in their minds it's like yeah, tell me the one about um, you know the the Red Sea again. Tell me the one about uh, the manna from heaven and and you know the water from a you know it was it was that kind of thing of of stories and and we're 
we're made that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I say a lot of times that story is a Trojan horse for truth, that you can sneak a lot past the defenses uh, by telling somebody a story uh, rather than just, you know, making declarative um, propositional statements about something. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I know that's how it works for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I want to be careful because I don't want to, I don't want to take us down a political, po political or culture warrior road because I don't really go in for stuff like that. But, um, but I mean, it's something that, you know, our, our culture warrior friends could probably learn from is that the reason that, you know, viewpoints that a lot of Christians don't agree with have become so mainstream is, is because they've recognized that story is the way to get it in. And so in, and to change people's opinion, they've changed it through, through narrative as opposed to, well, here's why, here's all the reasons why this is not a good thing or that's not a good thing. It's, you know, it's, this is, um, you know, this is this one person and this is their story and what they've experienced. And, you know, and that's incredibly effective. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everybody, I mean, we we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that we're following a narrative. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if, if somebody says, well, I don't do, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. I mean, you, you, you do, you have, you have what feels familiar. You have, um, setups and punchlines that are predictable to you because of where you're coming from that, 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 uh, aren't, isn't the case for, every, you know, everybody else. And, and it's, it's kind of a form of, of, um, well, it's it's a form of pride, I think, to think that that uh, everybody thinks like I do, um, uh, and it's also just not a very well thought through <laughs> form of it to to boot. Um, yeah, yeah. I um, I was asked. Uh, which, which I I'm trying to think who it was. Well, yeah, a friend of mine from St. Louis was emailing me asking me for recommendations. He's trying to minister to younger men i think it was like young to early 20s you know mentor discipleship whatever have you but you did the point is he's like i i don't want an instructional book which i love where he was going i said i want i want some great biographies or some great stories about men for them to follow <laughs> i said awesome that's great I, I love your thinking you know and so it's easy to rattle off everything from unbroken and go down the line, even of just inspirational stories that are maybe one thing they learned from that person based on just being wrapped up in a story. But, um, but he's like, he, cause I, I, I knew he was thinking, I'm not going to catch their attention. If I give them five steps or 10 steps to do whatever it's, you nailed it there. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah, I think our temptation as a, as a church, right. Is to programmatically, uh, um show people a kind of a way <laughs> you know when mm -hmm. you know when we kind of hear a good sermon when we uh uh receive some good teaching it's storytelling you know it's something that really captures uh, me and so yeah i uh i'm absolutely with you there yeah it's it's kind of a it's a i think it's a very western thing to have a pragmatic approach to scripture you know that just tell me tell me what i'm supposed to do here mm -hmm. um apply it to my life. Uh, and I'm saying that admittedly as somebody who, who uh, application is probably the weaker part of my preaching, you know, is, is, um, is answering the question, okay, what should you then go and do? Um, and there's a part of it where I feel like, well, who, who am I to, 
get too specific there. Um, you know, let the Holy Spirit unpack the passage. But also, I think it's a really some people. It's for some people, it's a really great skill um, that I admire that ability to to say because of this, then you go and do this. You know, or or think this way or live this way. Um, but I still think it's a it's a um, it's a pretty uniquely Western mindset to say uh, let's take a, let's have some takeaways uh, that we articulate uh, from this passage and put it to work. Um, okay. I, I just don't. I mean, you know, when Jesus told, told parables, he one of the parables he told, you know, the the uh, the foolish builder who built his house on the sand. You know, that parable just ends with, and it fell with a great crash. Yeah. That's it. Like that's the end of the. <laughs> That's yep, the end yep. of the teaching. And it's just kind of, you know, it's there to just sort of bug you for the next three days, you know, while your brain kind of does some work on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Jonah doesn't exactly end with a, uh, with a clear takeaway oh, no. <laughs> or even, a, or even it ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a yeah. great point. Yeah. That book could be a little tidier, couldn't it? There could be. <laughs> Could leave out that you know I mean, why just want to just kill me under this plant you know uh you could leave that out you know there's a lot of things <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh well i i will say this i know you said application could be your weaker thing but at the same time you know i i, I love the the way you preach in that too i think there's a, there's something about just helping me to helping me to think helping me to analyze to be uh, to approach prayer in a whole new way. I think that's, uh, it's challenging, you know, it is because I, I am pragmatic and we're all, you know, you know, Aaron and I work in a business and ministry world. At the end of the day, church, you know, I, there's elements as pressure. It's not, it's not always direct pressure. It's just, you feel like, okay, I got to structure it this way for people to follow and do what I want them to do. But mm -hmm. I don't know it's not how human nature works all the time. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I am. Uh, I am. I, I am with you. I'm. It's very encouraging to hear you say fiction has been your uh, your gift in terms of reading of kind of how to go in the middle. I told Aaron I was struggling in reading. Uh, I don't know. It's a few. I mean, we we both had tough times over the pandemic. Like, it's a weird time to read too. It's yeah. What do I read? And only thing I've been able to come up with of I've appreciated a great story more than anything. And so, um, Aaron, I'm thankful I got High Divide. I finished it last night. Yes. Excellent. Anger. Yeah. Uh, Life's brother, right, Russ? Since you know yeah. Life, um, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, and I know, and there's just a a few real simple poignant takeaways. That's all I needed, you know, and uh, loved it. Tremendous mm -hmm. book. I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, that's just a it's, tremendous. Have you read it, Russ? Have you read I have it? Not. I have not. Yeah. I, it's I didn't, excellent. I didn't even know Life had a brother until Aaron and Barnabas brought it up in a podcast. Like, wait a minute, my whole world is like, mm -hmm. there can't be two angers now. This is crazy. Well, not only then... did, yeah, not well, I was going to say, not only does he have a brother, but you'll have to do a little digging online because it, it takes a little bit of sport, but, but Leif and his brother have co-authored, I believe they're kind of mysteries, mm -hmm. some mystery novels um, under a, a pseudonym. Yeah. It's like LL um, anger. Yeah. So. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So you yeah. gotta, you gotta, you gotta dig it up. So if you're, uh, if yeah. you're a fan of Leif's writing, there's more uh, than just, than just the three novels you may know about. Um, but <laughs> 
but uh, they're, they, you gotta you gotta hunt for them a little bit. Yeah, the Sinners League is one of them. Um, yeah, <laughs> the so, Sinners League. The Sinners League um, comeback is another one. Um, they all they, I think they all have a bit of a sports tie-in too, because. The, yeah, they do because the the main character is a retired baseball star and an amateur detective. <laughs> oh. Yeah, man. So they're they're not they're no longer in print, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but uh, they may be worth purchasing. Okay. All used right. if you can find them. Okay. A little bit of sport. Russ, I may have missed it. You haven't, you haven't written any fiction, have you? No, uh, no, I haven't. I've thought about it. I've, I've talked to friends who, who write fiction and, and, uh, yeah, but no, I, I haven't. And I, I don't really have, there's nothing sort of bubbling up in me. Um, yeah. I've got, I've got a character's name, um, which, which I won't share, but it's, <laughs> but beyond that, I don't, I don't have much. Um, and, and, uh, I don't know, like, it's not, it's not been something that I think, I think I would need to have such a, a sense of a compelling, really compelling story, uh, to explore. And that's just never really come my way, uh, on a fictional level before. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. One day I'll look forward to it. Whatever it is, this character who shall not be named, uh, we, we need to read about them at some point. So, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> well, you, you, you write, like I said, you write just as you're saying, you're, you're a story, you're a storyteller. So it just would be natural for you at some point to have that type of book. So when the yeah. time is right, when it is yeah. right. My friend, Jonathan Rogers said, it's easy. You just make stuff up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you're understating <laughs> this a little bit. <laughs> uh, a little, a little, um, uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to write something fiction at some point. I, I just want to do it just to do it. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, uh, I, I'll tell you what, I love listening to, um, uh, long interview format podcasts, much like the one we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, uh, you know, with, with authors and entertainers and, uh, I listened to one, uh, an interview with John Grisham, it was about an hour long and listen to Stephen interviews with Stephen King and, and things yeah. like that. I, I love listening to interviews with authors, especially fiction authors, like how they, how they go about their, their thing, how they, how they approach their craft. And I can't remember if it was, if it was uh, Stephen King or John Grisham. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was both of them, but, but one of them was saying that they, uh, that in their kind of sequence of writing, they, they write a novel, and then they put it in a drawer and they, and then they write another novel and they, and they don't, they don't even work on the publishing of, of one novel until the second novel is already written and ready to go in the drawer. And so they always have like a novel on deck. That's that the first draft is already written um, before that, which to me is like, what a, what a, what a way to be, what a way, what a way to live. Yeah. <laughs> To just know, to have that writer's confidence of knowing I've got an entire manuscript just sitting here uh, and uh, it's done. And now I'm going to just work on the next one before I let anybody even know about this one. Yes, I love it. 
Yeah, I, I'm always amazed the discipline of those guys because you're right. Like it, there's a uh, there there certainly is that cue, but um, it just takes work to be able to produce things like that at the end of the day too. And I I, uh, I think some people ask like, what's it take to do that? And they they talk about yeah, forever wanting to write that novel, and here we are, we're all talking about we all want to write that novel, but I know I'm like. Uh, when, when is it ever going to be time? When is it ever going to be? <laughs> it's at some point we just got to get it out. So I know yeah. it's tough. Uh, I will say this, like for, for most of my books, it, it really has amounted to writing about two hours a day. Um, you know, cause I've been, I'm a bivocational, obviously, you know, I've, I've a, I pastor a church and, yeah. and, um, and mm -hmm. so I, I try to figure out how to write on my own time. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've, I find that kind of between, you know, 5.30 and 7.30 in the morning or, or whenever, back when Starbucks was open, that was, it was ideal because yeah. um, I'd just go get a bottomless cup of coffee and yeah. get on Starbucks pretty dependable Wi-Fi and I'd just go to town. And, uh, you know, writing is, is a lot of writing is just about word count. It's about, you know, writing a book is just about getting, you know, kind of having a plan and, and building your word count up and you, you'd be surprised, you know, what you can do. And, you know, if you, if you had three days a week where you were writing two hours a day uh, yeah. and, and you were, you know, yielding, let's say 500 words a day, which is not that much, that's a single page of paper. Um, if you wrote that, you know, you'd be, you'd have 1500 words a week. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of books now are kind of in that, I'm, I'm going to lose my capacity to do math quickly because I'm not a math guy. But I guess what I'm saying is you, you're writing a book in less than a year mm -hmm. uh, easily, uh, mm -hmm. maybe in nine months. You're, you're, you're writing a completed manuscript just by just by two hours a day, 500 words, three times a week. Um, and uh, I mean, I make it sound real easy, but but, you know, like but but in a, in a sense, that's that's some of the magic. Any author that's done this for any amount of time will, will, will acknowledge. Yeah. Some of it is, is a lot of the work is just kind of showing up to do it and putting words on a page. Uh, you, you can't edit a blank page, you know, but you can, you can build that word count and, you know, mm -hmm. most yeah. of your days will be w keepers. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of them may not be, but most of them will be. And then you'll just put it together. So in, in your writing process, do you end up self-editing a lot as you're going or do you, or have you managed to actually get something out and, and like fight the temptation to stop, like to start over again and then, and all that fun stuff? Yeah, I, I edit a bit, basically a chapter at a time. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll give myself a lot of latitude to, um, to write the first pass of the chapter without doing a lot of editing but then i'll go back usually usually i'll go back and and just edit it like crazy until it's until i can't find any typos or um you know and it, until everything feels the way that i, I want it to feel before mm -hmm. i'll move on to the next chapter a lot of times i'll do it that way mm -hmm. uh, unless they're short chapters and then i may do three of them or something and, and go back um i edit by reading aloud mm -hmm. um I have a, <laughs> I've got a, um, a book coming out in a year since we're talking about writing process huh. um, that I haven't, I haven't really talked about it. So, you know, you guys, All right, get, we're getting a scoop here. Yeah, man. Right. Um, but it's, it's uh, it, one of my loves is art. So I, I, I'm, I love art. Um, and I'm a, 
I'm, I don't have a formal education in art history, but what I had was good, I had good art teachers uh, who taught me how to have a lifelong relationship with art. And now I'm in my mid forties. And so I've had a lifelong relationship with art for a while now. Um, and so it's kind of accumulated some, some understanding, I guess, but, uh, but the book is about its story. Uh, it's, it's stories about um, the intersection of art and faith. And so each chapter is a pretty deep dive into a particular piece of work or artist, uh, an artist's story. And usually there's a uh, relevant passage of scripture that's involved in it as well. Uh, maybe the piece of art is a, you know, there's a chapter about Michelangelo's David. So it's kind of an intersection of Michelangelo, yeah. that statue and its history and yeah. the story from scripture and kind of weaving that all together as a story. But I found that it was, um, I had a hard time describing the book to people when I was putting it together. Uh, I would do these chapters or they're kind of essays that take about 45 minutes to read uh, and I would I've done them at conferences with a PowerPoint that has about 60 slides of art that's just kind of showing as I'm as I'm talking but I'm telling story it's a story mm -hmm. uh, from beginning to end it's like one story that I'm trying to tell uh, with pictures uh, <laughs> and um, but I so so I knew like I felt like this is a good concept that I think will be engaging to people. But as soon as I start to talk about it, well, you know, maybe like it's happening right here on this podcast where, you know, well, it's about art and, you know, I, I, can, I can see people glaze over. And so what I decided to do, and COVID helped a little bit with this, uh, is I decided to just write the entire manuscript before I told my agent about it. I just mm -hmm. wrote it. And then I just printed a, printed a hard copy of it and spiral bound it and mailed it to him and so that's that's how he found out about it is he just got it in the mail uh and then that started the conversation and uh i've never done it that way before but that was one where i had i did a i wrote the entire thing with appendices um i lined up mako fujimura to write the forward for it i had all this all this stuff um before my agent even knew that it existed and then you know <laughs> um so yeah, so that's that's coming. That'll be out in about a year. I like early, it. early 2022. I love it. Is that, is that is that kind of why you started your uh, your art Wednesdays that you've been doing on social media? Well, they're related, but but so yes and no. Uh, yeah. The book the book is not Art Wednesday in book form. Yeah. Um, okay. The reason I started doing Art Wednesday. So if you're not familiar with Art Wednesday. Um, if you follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, every Wednesday I devote my social media feed to posting a series of works of art that are connected in some way. So they may all be from the same artist or they may all be, you know, I did one recently that was um, uh, works that have been stolen, uh, you know, or uh, unfinished paintings or, you know, every, something that all relates to a particular holiday. We just had, um, yesterday was Ash Wednesday. We're still recording, no, two days ago. Well, anyway, yeah. Ash Wednesday happened. Uh, and so that day's series of posts were all Rembrandt paintings about the story of the life of Jesus. And so it was kind of a, as you're preparing for this season where we 
reflect on the need for and the coming of Christ and his resurrection, his death and resurrection. Here's, here's kind of a walkthrough of the, the story of his life as told through Rembrandt paintings and scripture verses. I started doing this because um, I felt that there was a, a, a kind of a gap in my, in my own social media feed of there was no beauty there. There were a lot of opinions. There was a lot of snark. There was a lot of humor. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, pictures of kids and dogs and, and, you know, things like that and, and, and other good, good stuff. But, but I found that, that kind of scrolling through a social media feed can be one of the most anxiety inducing or stressful or depressing or discouraging parts of the day. And yet we're all, I say this generally, but we're all scrolling through all the time. Um, and so I wanted to just sort of inject some beauty for beauty's sake uh, into the social media feed, one, so that I'd get to have the experience of creating it, which was very good. It has been very good for my own heart. Um, but then two, to just kind of have this thing where, you know, at least once a week, if you so choose, you, you can spend some time with some beautiful works of art that, that and, and learn something about them and, and uh, you know. Try to not to be too highfalutin with it, uh, you know, very story based. But uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a lot of it um, is is wanting to have something there that was that was just beautiful for the sake of having something beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think um, a cynic would say, "Oh gosh, Russ is being pretentious by posting all of these." <laughs> I'm saying this not to like freak you out as a fellow yeah. nine. I'm saying it because. I have highly appreciated a because it's an area I don't know as much about, but you're teaching through it. I felt like, boy, I'm learning at the same time. And I can't tell you like, cause I'm, you're right. I'm one of those people. When I start scrolling through my heart rate goes up and that's not mm -hmm. good for anyone. Right. Yeah. But there are some great, wonderful things on social media and you're proving that <laughs> absolutely is. And you can, by the way, you can learn scripture. You can learn, about what God's trying to teach us and how God used people like Rembrandt to teach us these stories too. So yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, I think there's some barriers to interacting with art that I think people feel, you know, mm -hmm. like, well, it's it's an intellectual game or it's, it's you know, if, if you don't know anything about art history, you're just gonna feel dumb. And I, I'm trying to disarm that a little bit and just mm -hmm. say, it's it's very valid to look at a painting and say, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's equally valid to look at a painting and say that one doesn't do anything for me. Totally, that's, that's good. That's that's that you. What you're doing is you're interacting with art. Um, and yeah. you know, I get I get bored to tears when people try to go you know four or five levels beneath that into like, well, what do you think the artist is trying to say here? You know, I mean, sometimes they're trying to say something. I you know, but but yeah. that whole that whole heady, that's yeah. not for me. Um, it's yeah. not for me. I'm more into you know the 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 stories behind it and the there's just some fascin and the more you get into it, it's like anything, the more you get into it, it just, it becomes this kind of beautiful world of, of, oh. you know, fascinating things. Pe people are pretty amazing. You know, mm -hmm. they're pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, there's a, uh, there's a piece of art on my bookshelf right here that uh, is, it's a bit of an abstract piece of art. So I'm, I'm cheating and giving um, my sister-in-law a little, a little plug. One second. <laughs> oh yeah i uh 
reaching well, towards getting it. Okay. Let, let's I'm actually getting it so you can see. Oh, okay. oh wow. So there you go. So she is a so she is a professional artist. Uh, by that's that's her whole job. Let me see the backside of that thing. Oh, that that's a piece of art itself. This thing it is. is like geometric. Yeah. yeah wow, so she cool. handcrafts all of. So she makes makes these by hand, um, and so and then is and it's just fascinating what she like what's all here because you see it on a wall and it's like is this actually three like is this whole thing three dimensions mm. or is it flat mm. and it's it's pretty incredible so that's cool it does its yeah. job it's cool wow. yeah well so, i got i got a i got a bag of cat litter behind me so that's mm, that, there's that's a breathtaking right there <laughs> that's funny. sorry hauntingly <laughs> disgusting <laughs> it is all right, uh, so Russ, since uh, l l we're going to go back into books here for a second, so do you read any graphic novels? Ah, uh, you know, I've I've tried a couple. Um, I read Mouse. Nice. Uh, and um, no, I have not spent a ton of time with with graphic novels. I wasn't a comic book kid growing up, and so I I don't you know, although I have I haven't I have grown to appreciate. Uh, it as a as an art form because mm -hmm. um, there's there's a lot there's a lot of choices and storytelling choices that that those artists are making um mm -hmm. to put those panels together and the way they tie them together visually and and convey energy and motion um but uh yeah i've not i've not i've not spent a, spent a lot of time there yet okay yeah. i i'm just curious we have I, I aaron has challenged me i've never read a graphic novel before so i'm in the middle of my first so i'm just curious because you're you know uh I, these are the uh the rembrandts of our day from what aaron would say I'm in just some kidding. I'm in some I'm... cases <laughs> um, you know but okay, I mean, so here's a, here's a question for you guys yeah. on this subject um would you would you count uh calvin and hobbes as a graphic novel ish <laughs> i wouldn't discount it as um, okay yeah as opposed so, to just like a comic strip right yeah, yeah, yeah i mean yeah the yeah. comic book yeah i mean it's definitely a it's like so the newspaper strip itself is a different i mean it's still visual storytelling but it, it's a different discipline altogether than mm. um because it has such a limited space to be able to tell whatever it um mm -hmm. whatever needs to be told yeah, um, and you can get really creative and interesting in that space. Um, like people have done. Um, I mean, it's one of our oldest, like, or oldest storytelling methods in the 20th century um, mm -hmm. has been the comic strip, um, and it's been used for everything from, you know, just the daily, the daily, the daily funny to um, to long form serialized storytelling f over the period over a period of about 40 years mm. <laughs> for one character. <laughs> so that's amazing. So yes. it so I lean toward yes, it counts, um, but it is but it is its own animal for sure. Yeah, I just I think about I think about Calvin and Hobbes in particular, uh, you know, and I just think that the character development and the inner world and the running narratives and things like that that are I mean, you really feel like you know 
Calvin's dad and Calvin's mom and his classmates and his spaceman Spiff and the, mm -hmm. you know like like there's so much that just get has was developed you know um, but yeah I get I get it's different than a Walking Dead or or something like that where where it's intended to be a graphic novel. Yeah, well, Russ, if you wanted to get if you wanted to try one, um, thinking about what um, what I've gleaned from your tastes based on our conversation here the last time from your social media, um, I would I would give Will Eisner's a contract with God a shot. Okay, so it's um, it's it's not you know superhero-y at all um whatsoever um it is um actually um you know taking you into a little bit of the 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 new york new york jewish community oh yeah so yeah all right i've written it down there you go i love it and if i'm wrong i'll uh i'll uh i'll buy you a coffee <laughs> <laughs> that won't be necessary <laughs> i'll re-gift it there you oh there you go that's even better <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, Russ, what else as we kind of end off? Uh, what, what are you reading right now? Um, well, I have been reading. It's funny. I was thinking about, you know, what are the things that I've been. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of a cross section of a lot of different things. Uh, for, I, 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 I love Malcolm Gladwell stuff. Um, and so I just read his his new one uh with talking to strangers um mm -hmm. and uh i really like he i has, my writing i think aspires to what it is that he does where there's a lot of storytelling um with a message but but also a fascination and a kind of a glee and a, and a joy in the stories and being able to mine the stories that he's telling um so that i i picked up a copy of richard foster's the freedom of simplicity uh, which is which is dense and convicting, uh, but a great thing to read when the world is shut down. Uh, so, um, been been reading that um, Seth Godin's book, The Icarus Deception, uh, mm. which I, I've been in, I've been reading a lot of those kinds of you know sort of art and craft, um, yeah. the craft of art books uh, or cr the creation process. Oh, there's it just inspires me and it's fun. Um, to read, I'm going to circle back and tell you tell a story about something I read there in just a quick second. Yeah. Um, Mako's new book, uh, Mako Fujimura's book, Art and Faith, uh, which just came out uh, on Yale Press. If man, it's just it's the if you want a book about art and the relationship between art and faith, that's the one. Um, really good. And then I, honestly, I've 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 also been just loving spending some time with John Stark's book, The Possibility of Prayer. Uh, I, I picked it up. Uh, I got to know John a little bit at the last Gospel Coalition conference, but we've we mostly just kind of been online friends. Um, but I really, one, I just love him. I, I think he's I think he's he's uh, he's he's got such a great presence uh, in the world. Um, but this whole angle of this book is is kind of appealing to people who wonder if prayer is for them or if that's something that's just relegated to the super righteous and disciplined and he's ma basically making a case that, that that it's possible for you to have a prayer life too um and that's kind of the possibility of prayer title and so i've been loving that um and uh 
Yeah. And then uh, the essays of E.B. White, which I believe when when you asked me this question in 2018, I probably said that then, too. Yeah. Uh, whatever For whatever reason, <clears throat> there's just something that's so solid about his writing that it's just a pleasure to, to read. I, don't, I just enjoy his his stories obviously i'm going slow because it's you know it's not like i've been rereading them three and four times i'm still working through it but uh but it's one of those that i'll just kind of pick up and read from time to time um but the story i was going to tell you is from a book called uh the i think it's from the art of uh the war of art is the name of the book um i think that's the one it's from but anyway what's that yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's Pressfield's book. There may be, an, it may be a, a different one, but um, but he talks about how there was a uh, a college professor who had uh, who taught a pottery class, and his um, he gave the students at the beginning of semester uh, two ways to get their final grade. They could pick, but they had to pick at the very beginning of the semester. Um, the first one group was you'll be graded on the sheer tonnage of pottery that you make. Um, so if you make this many pounds of pottery over the semester, you'll get a B. If you make this many, you'll get an A. Um, the other group was you can turn in one piece of pottery and your grade will be based. You can have the whole semester to make one perfect piece of pottery and you can submit that for your final grade. And do you know what he found? He found that the students who chose the tonnage option made far better pieces than the person who spent the whole semester trying to make just the perfect one, which was a lesson in art. Uh, it's a lesson in how creativity works is the way you get really good at something is not kind of trying to myopically create the one perfect thing is that yeah. you make a thousand. Um, yeah. And out of that thousand, guess what's going to happen? You're, you're, you're going to learn how to do this. Yeah. Well, it's, oh, it's, 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 that's the writer's handbook right there. <laughs> That's yeah. right. You're going to have a lot of stuff that you tear up and uh -huh. to get to that one that uh, or two maybe that are, are going to work well. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Fun love stuff. that. That's a good story. Mm -hmm. yeah. Aaron, what do you got? Oh, man, I have... Uh, I've got a couple of things on the go, so I have not gotten far enough yet in in it to say anything meaningful about it, but um, I do have um, Dane Ortland's book, um, Gentle and Lowly, on my, on my to-read list. Um, it has been uh, sp spoken of very highly, of course, and um, I was encouraged to read it for, for a work thing, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, a friend of mine um, uh, named Wit, he recommended a book recently to me that I have I have queued up in my Audible account called Norco 80, the true story of the most spectacular bank robbery in American history. And it involves um, and it is a this bank robbery was was led by um an a quote apocalyptic born again christian <laughs> sounds right yeah. all right yeah yeah, yeah. and okay. <laughs> if, if i if and and so it it has connections to it has a connections has connections to a church out in california which is uh which is fascinating so man um, well may it become a coen brothers movie it sounds oh, like wouldn't that be something got that written all over it 
Absolutely it does. That would be a fantastic movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. They are one of the best at the intersection of faith and crazy. I love it. Uh, that's so good. <laughs> uh, All right, Dave, what about you? Uh, so should should we do next week our, uh, our comic book? I'm sorry, our graphic novel episode? Maybe. I'll, I'll get it done by then if we want to do it then. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we've got a couple of people who have been reading along with you on this journey. Okay. All right. Well, then, then let's do this. All right. Let's let's do that. So I, I will I will finish reading it. I've read like 10 pages, which is not much. <laughs> so but, you haven't uh, really started. <laughs> well, technically I've started, oh, but okay. it, yeah, I don't have anything to show for it. But uh, but yes, uh, they're probably all doing better than I am right now. But I will have it done to where we can have... Uh, we can have comic book club if that's what it is or a graphic Perfect. novel book club. We can right. call it comic book club. That makes for a good hashtag. So, yeah, Russ, he's trying, he's trying to convince me it's, it's, it's a, it's a true medium. And I, I really, I hope everyone knows I'm just having a lot of fun with this because it's, <laughs> I've just never read it. And, I don't know, but I tell you this, I have a terrible attention span. So I'm reading this and I do get confused. Are we going left to right? Are we going down? Are we going zigzag? Where is the story going? Follow the word balloons. <laughs> I, I'm trying, but uh, it's just confusing to my, uh, I, I don't have a lot going on up here in my noggin. So I need That's, help. We're not talking about your hair though, Dave. You, you're a smart guy. I'm not looking inside. Yeah, I know, I know. So, all right. All right. I'll report in. Russ, right. thanks for doing this, man, again. Yes. Yeah, thank you for having me. Looking forward to my third appearance. And yes. then my fourth, and then my fifth, and then I get the jacket. That's and right. The jacket, yes. We're working on that. It may have Barnabas's face all over it, you know, but it's it's a jacket, so it's something. Okay. I'll put it in the closet next to the other things that have Barnabas's face on them. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic and on that note thank, thank you again Russ and uh, thanks all for uh, hanging out with us you know what to do five star ratings reviews all around we'll talk to you later this is an area code podcast